Friday edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you, and it's game day for the Toronto Raptors. So you'll get a double dip of us today. You've got us for the next two hours, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. But, of course, later on tonight as well as the Raptors get set for the Utah Jazz. And um, kind of ironic, I guess, is maybe the best word I can think of when uh, you talk about the, the, the fact that we're, you know, pretty much locked down again right now and online learning and it feels like we've gone back to where we started unfortunately almost two years ago uh when the raptors came home from utah following the game against the jazz and all hell broke loose and the the you know the world kind of hit the pause button let alone the nba did and it was rudy gobert as sort of a patient x and unfortunately for rudy gobert in health and safety protocols and not playing tonight against the toronto raptors so uh just very Bizarre, ironic, to say the least, as Toronto gets set for the Jazz tonight. We will talk about the Jazz over the course of our program. Also take a look at things from a Raptors perspective as Toronto will look for a fifth straight victory tonight. Uh, I I think I hear Jonesy there in the background chomping at the bit maybe to get in and chat about this five-game winning streak, the possibility of it, Jonesy, tonight. Um, This team has certainly been playing well, and hopefully the good times keep rolling tonight. That would be the uh, second five-game win streak of the season. Um, I, 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 you know, you have to think, though, a team like Utah, um, as good as they are and, and as well as they have played over the last few years, never mind just, uh, you know, this year, uh, you, you'd have to figure that there are some guys on that bench and some guys uh, that will help the quality of their depth and no matter who's out of the lineup, they're gonna they're gonna be difficult. They're gonna be tough to beat. Um, you know, I think that was I think the same can be said for a, a, a team like Toronto too, and how hard they play. And it was a real blip, a real aberration. Um, you know, losing that game to Cleveland, uh, 144 to 95 or whatever, in the circumstances, and and th- there's they're such a totally different team since then. Uh, they they, you know, they've. They've won four in a row. Um, guys are getting healthy. Your your b- best players are playing like your best players in Van Vliet, Siakam, Ananobi. Um, uh, so it'd be good. It'd be good for Toronto to get this, get, you know, build a little momentum. Like I said, the second five-game win streak and keep vaulting up the standings. I mean, just what? About a week ago, Eric, they were below the line. They were 11th or 12th or something like that, and now they sit in 7th. Um, and the East is like that. You win four or five games, you lose four or five games. You can go either way in the standings, commensurate with your streak. Well, and you think about what's happening to that point, Jonesy, with the Boston Celtics. They've lost two in a row. They're now three games below 500. they They're quickly approaching the actual halfway point of the season they've played 39 games Raptors have only played 35 but 39 games in the Celtics are three games below 500 as Boston loses last night to the New York Knicks so we'll shift our attention back to the Raptors and 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 getting set for the Jazz tonight in a couple of minutes but taking a look at some of the other games we saw last night and the loss for the Celtics came obviously in dramatic fashion as well as Canadian R.J. Barrett, you know, finds the bank at the buzzer, the three ball goes, and the Knicks get the win over the Celtics. And the Celtics, of course, as I said, losing two in a row. They come off the uh, the loss a couple of nights ago to the San Antonio Spurs, who beat Boston on the back-to-back. And I, I kind of look at the Celtics squad and think, what's going on there? 
uh, you know, like uh, Horford played 31 last night. Tatum played 40. Brown played 34. You've got the full complement of players. I mean, you know, Smart played and Williams and, and, and Schroeder off the bench. Like, they've got their guys. They shot almost 48%. But they lost the game, and they've been losing a lot lately. And and there's something something's going on. Something's not right with the Celtics. No, uh, I, I think they're they're having some. Uh, they may be having some issues adjusting to a new coach and a new a new system or new demands. Um, there's it's it's uh, it's not what you expect. And they have you're right. They have their guys, and this is just going to fuel. The narrative uh, around uh, trading one of Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, <laughs> you know, can these can these guys together get it done? And uh, you know, the, the Celtics the Celtics need to. Uh, they need. I wonder if Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, these guys moving away. I mean, Ainge is gone from the organization. Stevens moved up into the front office. I wonder if they saw some of this coming in terms of look. We need to. We have these players, but we need to repair this thing, and uh, we're trying to be preemptive with it. But uh, Boston's hurting right now, uh, and and that's a franchise like the Lakers on the other coast that has expectations. So they need to get some. They need to do something to pull this thing together. Yeah, I don't know what that thing is because here's the thing, Jones. Do you, this is where we start talking, and, and and we have to we have to walk that fine line, right? Because of what we've been talking about for twenty years, not wanting to get into fantasy trades and whatnot. But we're getting towards the silly season of trade season, and with the trade deadline coming up in in four to six weeks or so. And if you're the Boston Celtics, are you looking at a deal to try and improve? Because I would argue, not that they don't have some good pieces, but I would argue that they don't have a ton of valuable trade assets unless they're looking to do something substantial because there's no denying that would you like a a, a young big man in robert williams sure would you like a, a a defensive standout at the at the point or just as a guard in general in marcus smart sure would you love a young rising star an already all-star in in, in tatum or in brown absolutely but we're talking about the core guys when i look to the second unit i'm not sure that there are super valuable pieces not that they aren't good players but i'm talking valuable pieces that would thus fetch you something of uh equal or greater value in return so unless you're looking to really do a splash i'm not sure what the next move is for boston well and and that's just it those are the guys that that have to um they have to play they have to come together as a group um have defined roles and and Hopefully they have you know transferable skills from wherever they were before to make it a situation where individually the pieces don't look that great, but then when you put them together you have something something going. You know the the sum is greater than the whole, or the whole is greater than the sum of the individual parts. And I think that's what that's what's kind of missing with Boston. Some kind of I don't know system, some way of playing to take advantage of this stuff. Uh, because you're right, you, they're they're healthy, and you look at the players they have. They've they've got they've got good players. You know w- what is it? Um, as a matter of fact, there's two teams down there like that. You look at the Atlanta Hawks. I I think that's a function of a young team, the Hawks, though, with expectations, and having had a great run last year. They just you know want to snap their fingers and think it's going to happen again, and they're not sneaking up on anybody, but. I mean, they're down there too, but Boston's a different situation. 
These guys need to play better. They need to find some chemistry. Um, and if you're going to make a splash in the trade market, Eric, and, you know, I'm with you. I don't like to start playing fantasy trades, but um, people might be calling about some of your bigger names, Smart, uh, Williams, Brown, Tatum. Uh, I, I, it, not that you're going to move those guys, but when the phone rings, you just owe it to yourself, I think, to listen. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting to think where this team has come from as well, right? To, to go from Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward. Like, there were pieces there. And now, listen, there are worse teams in the league or worse situations than having uh, the opportunity to build around the one-two punch of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But it just seems like we went from the Boston Celtics being in the conversation and talking about, you know, the Celtics as being one of the teams on the rise. And at the very least, even if they were playing more to their potential or more to where we thought the expectations would be, they would still probably, t- I don't know if you agree, Jonesy, I would think they'd be somewhere in the four to eight, but not the top three. Whereas a couple of years ago, we were talking about them being top three and maybe even having a chance to, with the core and with the way they were rising and building around things, maybe even being the number one team and, and, and look out for this one-two punch and, and the crew and the, the, the depth that they got around them. This Man, the Celtics are back, and suddenly, eh, not looking so much like that. Well, they, they went to the – when those guys were rookies, Brown and Tatum, they went, they went to the conference finals. And, yeah, it looked like, okay, these guys are set. This team is set for a while. And then, you know, they had a, an off year with the whole Kyrie Irving thing in there. And it just uh, – it's like they've never been able to fully put it back together. And, you know, Ime Yudoka really some, – some, you know, harsh words for his team. Uh, after the loss yesterday, you know. Uh, so they, they've got a lot of work to do. They really do have a lot of work to do. But look, the way it is in the East, nobody's feeling sorry for you. Because think about the fact that there is a play-in tournament, Eric, and you have two extra spots. Again, I look at the East, you have 10 spots. Uh, I'm kind of pushing Indiana a little bit out of it right now. But you've got 12 teams for 10 spots, and it's really tight. Between 7 and 12, there's two games. That's it. Uh, you, you know, six teams for four spots in that part of it. So, look, if you're the Celtics, you really need to pick it up. Uh, I couldn't imagine them trying to look at uh, trying to get to eight. And as I said, thankfully for, you know, the play-in tournament has changed the people's view of the playoffs. You have to look at it as, for the most part, two-thirds of the conference makes the playoffs. Now, mind you, that playoff, quote-unquote, might only be one game once you get into the play-in scenario. But if you're hoping to make some noise or advance toward the championship or build your organization to look better to free agents and instill some confidence in your players you still want to be in that scenario it's better than it's better than sitting out it's better than sitting there you know doing nothing in 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 late april so um the, you know the the play-in tournament has really changed the look of the playoffs and it's given a team like boston or atlanta right now that are below the line it's given them a chance to have something to look at and shoot for Jonesy, you mentioned some of the comments coming post-game. How would it be inside the locker room, let alone going, going home or, or, or in the group chat among the players, when you've got your coach 
talking about a lack of toughness uh, after the ball game. And, um, you know, you're looking at yourself in the mirror and thinking, man, lack of toughness. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the, the exact quotes. Well, there, here's, here's one. Here's one. Across the board, I think we haven't had the best shooting year. So regardless of who we have handling things out there, it's not always going to be the best shooters on the floor. There's one. But then, even more pointed, and I, I just had it up in my feed refreshed, and I, I, I should have screen-grabbed it or something, but it was essentially alluding to, uh, well, not even alluding to, it was a, it was, it was a direct comment about um, the team. Here it is. We need some leadership, somebody that can calm us down and not get rattled when everything starts to go a little south. That's pretty damning. When you, especially when you've got a leader like an Al Horford on your team or a Marcus Smart or, or two young guys that want to be growing into leadership roles in, in Brown and Horford, and, or excuse me, Brown and Tatum, and you're talking, your, your coach is saying, we need somebody that can calm us down so that we don't get rattled when things start to go south and the, the Celtics blowing a 25-point lead and losing to the Knicks. That's, that's got to be tough to hear. And those are one of those comments, like we were talking you know, on a much different scale about Antonio Brown the last couple of days. Are those those types of conversations that you should be having inside the locker room and not in the media? I've got to assume when it gets to this point, those are things that have been said in the locker room. And now maybe it's the added motivation of saying it more publicly and putting it more out there. I assume. Maybe I'm wrong in that assumption, but I assume that when you say something like that, it's been said privately before it is ultimately said publicly. I always say that too. Uh, I think that any coach or player or um, you know anybody is is okay with saying it publicly if if you said it privately uh, under the guise of um, hey man uh, I'd say it to their face. Well, I did already once, and now I'm saying it to their face in front of all of you. Um, Ime Udoka has been, as the head coach of the Celtics, he's been pretty straightforward, hasn't he? He's really yeah. kind of come out and and in maybe in kind of the Greg Popovich school that he learned, been very very straightforward. Um, and I think that I think that's good and bad when it comes to your team. I think that's good and bad, and you know that that's that to me says a little bit of the. Uh, the old school way of well, I've like you said, I've told you in the locker room, and now that it's public, it's not anything that you haven't heard before, and maybe the coaches using the media or going through the media to try and help light a fire and motivate the team. Here's another one I wanted to point out from last night before we shift our attention back to the Raptors and Jazz for the for uh, for this evening's ball game, and only four games on tap last night in the association. Golden State losing a second straight, and it's not the yeah. fact that they've lost two in a row; the fact that they were under a hundred as well. Again, and listen, I know last night in you know Curry wasn't in the lineup for uh, for for Golden State, but still 96 points and losing to the Pelicans uh, as New Orleans wins 101-96, 32 points for Brandon Ingram in the victory. Um, but man, that's uh, that was surprising to see on back-to-back games now for for Golden State, and and uh, I gotta assume that they quickly turn things around, but. Uh, certainly the way they've been running roughshod over a lot of people this season, to see them drop two in a row and to see them below that 100 mark, as I say again, that was uh, that was a head-scratcher, to say the least. I'm sure there are a lot of people that lost money last night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it, it, You don't you don't expect that, and I guess that's where... Um, I wouldn't say the inconsistency, but just the nature of the league, where 
sometimes the finely tuned stuff doesn't go. Uh, the, the, you know, the passing, the shooting, you have off nights offensively and, and hopefully you can shore it up and, you know, make up for it uh, in another way. But you're right, Eric, Golden State, like under 100, like that's, I mean, Steph, what did Steph have, five points or something like that or eight points or something the other night? It's just unusual, really unusual. And, and you know what else it speaks to? Um, the consistency of, of what Golden State had built because we get a couple games like this and it, it opens everybody's eyes. I mean, they're still 29-9. and nine. And it also speaks to some of the other, uh, the, the, the team that they're battling with at the top of the standings in the West. And we're going to see them in a few days, the Phoenix Suns, and how good they have been and how since the bubble... Uh, they have, and the acquisition of Chris Paul, the Phoenix Suns again. They're they're legitimate title contenders this year. They, you know, they have, uh, you know, they've got a a developing uh, guy's a star now, uh, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, one of the best leaders in the NBA. Uh, how about our guy Bismack Biombo being signed for the rest of the year in Phoenix? Comes out of nowhere because of emergency and health and safety protocols and now he's he's a guy that phoenix looks at and says hold on a second we got to hang on to him if not just to help us but to keep him away from other teams mm -hmm, that might mm -hmm. be looking to looking to knock us down so um yeah yeah th those two teams i think i think they're going to be fighting it out all year in the west and and i'm not i'm not sleeping on some of the teams behind them uh two in particular the one we're going to see tonight the utah jazz and how the memphis grizzlies have come on since John Morant has, has come back into the lineup as well. Well, you mentioned the uh, the Phoenix Suns last night beating the L.A. Clippers, 106-89, triple-double for Chris Paul, 14 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists. Uh, Devin Booker with a bit of an off night, to say the least, 5 of 22 from the floor. Oof, 11 points, 10 rebounds, did have the double-double in spite of the off night. But uh, And Biz off the bench with 13 minutes. Ish Wainwright uh, played last night as well, 11 minutes off the bench, 4 points. So nice to see him continuing to, to get some minutes and get some burn for uh, the Suns. As the Suns now sit at 30 and 8. So they are the first team in the association to hit the 30-win mark, 30-8. and eight. They are a game ahead of Golden State uh, in the Western Conference standing. So you're right, there's no denying, absolute championship contender. Uh, the other uh, game last night, was we talked about three of the four, uh, with no disrespect, uh, eh, not a lot of people maybe caring right now about Memphis and Detroit as the Grizzlies beat the Pistons by 30. And maybe the reason to care about Memphis is take a look at the standings. I don't know how in the holy hell this happened. They have won seven games in a row. That's not the holy hell part. 26 and 14, 12 games above 500, the fourth seed in the Western Conference. And oh, yeah, by the way, remember, they went a good long stretch without Ja Morant. And people now talking about whether or not Ja Morant's an all star. First of all, A, yes, he is 100% an all star. And I thought Desmond Bain said it best the other day. We shouldn't be talking about whether he's the, an all-star this season. We should be having a conversation about whether he's the best point guard in the association because there are a lot of great ones, but at least have the conversation. I'm not saying he is number one, but that's more of a conversation and more of a debate than whether or not the guy's an all-star. He's 1,000% an all-star. Well, I'll, I'll go one step further. Um, if you're talking about the same way that people, I think, uh, show a lack of respect or or or... or you know, foresight, giving credit to somebody. We talked about why DeMar DeRozan's name isn't on 
the MVP ladder and how well DeMar has been playing, right? The best player on, on the best team. Well, they're leading the East at 25 and 10, and DeMar should be in the conversation. I know we're only halfway through the year, but if we're talking about postseason awards, he should be in the conversation for MVP. And I'm going to tell you, I, I, think, I think you have to consider John Morant, too. Well, why? Well, if you're thinking about, um, again, I'll look at Denver, the guy who was the MVP last year in Jokic, who's put, who put up some massive numbers the other night. But his team's 500. And if you're going to consider him as a potential MVP candidate, then you got to have John Morant in the conversation. Heck, you got to have a guy that, you know, a guy like Donovan Mitchell. I, I could never understand last year why the Jazz had such a good record and people still didn't consider him. They, they, they were just kind of dismissive. Well, you know, he plays for Utah. Well, wait a minute. The team is, they're the best team in the West, and he's the best player. So how can you not have this guy in your conversation for MVP? It's not, sometimes it's a case of all the, again, the, the, the whole being greater than the sum of the individual, better than the sum of the individual parts, but... And, and maybe there isn't a guy that stand out, stands out. I mean, we had that years ago with the Raptors when they were a good team the, the, the year after Kyle Lowry, um, Kawhi Leonard left. Kyle Lowry was their leader, but there were so many guys playing so well. It might have been hard to say, well, Toronto has the second best record in the East, but, you know, I, I don't really have an MVP vote for them. Okay, I, you know what? I, I might be able to stomach a little bit of that, although they still have a leader. They still have a best player. So it's puzzling to me why guys like DeRozan and Mitchell and, and, and now even John Morant aren't in the conversation, but yet guys like Luka, Luka Doncic, uh, 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 Jokic are in, in the conversation, and they're behind them. They have, they, they're, they're behind them in the standings. And I, I just think we're into uh, a generation now where people are considering numbers so much that winning takes a back seat and uh, I'm the opposite once you're winning then I'll start giving you that respect around you know postseason awards or, or how good a player is hey even on a bad team somebody's going to score and put up numbers but to me unless you're winning those are empty calories man all right I need to go off for one second here Jonesy before uh -oh. we step uh -oh. aside we're going to have Doug Smith in a second I I, I listen I have no reason to believe that there is any conspiracy here that there is anything shady going on i just find it hard to believe so again i'm sure the numbers are legit i'm sure there's no conspiracy i'm just finding it hard to believe it's it's one of those you know things that make you go hmm so the all-star balloting comes back the the first return yesterday and right away i see fred van vliet at the bottom of the guards 10th in the East in voting with 108,529 votes. Now, I could be wrong, but if what I understand is correct, that retweets account as a vote, and I see the Raptor account, social media account, every day tweeting out, you know, hashtag NBA All-Star for Fred Van Vliet, and every day there are thousands of retweets and thousands of likes, and that's just from the Raptors, let alone fans and other influencers and whatnot. I find it hard to believe that Fred only has 108,000. 
Now, and it's not to say that he should be up at 500000 or a million or something. Like, DeMar DeRozan has 1.4, almost 1.5 million. Steph Curry, just shy of 2.6 million. Um, Kevin Durant, about 2.3. LeBron James, just over 2 million. So if you caught that, Steph Curry, your leading vote getter at 2.3, or excuse me, almost 2.6. Uh, it was it was Durant at 2.3. But only 108000 for Fred Van Vliet. I... I find that shocking considering the amount of Raptor fans that are voting for this guy. But what's even more frustrating, and we have this conversation every single year, so we're beating a dead horse. And yes, folks, I would be saying this about somebody even if it wasn't a Raptor player. Because I will say when I look down at the list, as we've talked about in recent days, you know, Darius Garland should be higher. And I look at the Western Conference, Devin Booker should be higher than five. When I look at other categories as well, you know, should should a guy like Andrew Wiggins be even higher or Carl or Anthony Towns be higher and not stuck behind Anthony Davis, who's been out a ton injured, Draymond Green, who missed some time, Paul George, who's missed a bunch as well. Look at the list. Where's Kyrie Irving? <laughs> Jonesy, Kyrie Irving is sixth and has played a game or two. One game. I know. Derek Rose. Derek Rose. I'm sorry. Derek Rose is not an all-star. Tyler Hero's not an all-star. Uh, he's not. He's not. He's not. E, this goes back to the conversation. Clay Thompson had. hasn't played. Clay Thompson is fourth, and he hasn't played. Goes, the fans get fifty percent of the vote right now. The media gets twenty-five, and the players get twenty-five. At this point, if it's going to be this, and I know, yes, the All Star Game is it supposed to be for the fans? Here's the problem: if it's supposed to be for the fans, and you're giving the fans the vote, then there should be something in the CBA that says there are no longer incentives in contracts, or you can't have incentives in contracts that are tied to All Star appearances or things like that. Because, or, or even post-game awards you want to take it away from the media altogether fine take it away from the media or don't allow incentives in contracts because the bias that could exist pro and con that could then prevent a player or my client if i'm the agent from either getting or not getting an incentive and sometimes these incentives can be extremely lucrative might be in the hands of some schmo at home that doesn't want to vote for my guy but instead wants to vote for clay thompson who hasn't played or kyrie Irving, who's played one game or some media member who wants to say that my guy's a bad dude, even though my guy's putting up great numbers, and he's going to maybe be held back from a 500 grand bonus or a million dollar bonus because some media dude is, says my guy's bad and doesn't want to vote for him. Like the way that it's set up right now is wrong, and it needs to be changed because it needs to reflect the players that are most deserving of being there. Period. Okay. Well, and and this is you know when you and I started working together uh, 18, 19 years ago. Um, Something like that. Yeah, and I, I said that in terms of the fan voting, like it's got to be only part of it. So thankfully, we've it's taken 15, 16 years, but it's come to that where the fans' votes only count for a percentage. But to your point about the postseason awards or, incent, or, or incentives and contracts based on uh, postseason awards or all-star appearances, put some stipulations and 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 and. and kind of clarifications and boundaries on them. Yeah, you your all-star award is is will lead to this bonus if you're voted in by the coaches or you know if if you're if you're voted in by the the the, the fans and you have a certain benchmark of numbers like or you've played a certain number of minutes or something like that tie something to that i'm i'm, I'm all for those incentives and, and this is what i talked about with fred van bleed 
Fred's going to have to get in with the Raptors, A, doing well in the standings, and they're up to seventh, and B, from the coaches. Because let's face it, he not Vince Carter, who led the league in, in fan voting from Toronto just because of his spectacular play and how good he was and everybody got to see him. Um, he's not going to get the Internet vote the way you know, other players have, have had it in the past. Um, and, and, you know, groups voting for certain people just because or fan bases voting for people just because Fred's going to have. And, and to me, it's much more honorable to be voted in by the coaches. Like I said, those are the guys that are game planning every night, knowing who they have to stop on the other team. And if they vote for you, knowing that, you know, Quinn Snyder tonight, I'm, I bet you he's. He's trying to figure out how do I stop Fred Van Vliet? How do I slow down Pascal Siakam? And if it comes to all-star games and this team's, these guys have put up uh, good numbers against him, he's like, hey, man, those guys are all-stars. I think that it's okay to get your contractual incentive that way if you're voted in by you know, the coaches. But I, and that's how I think Fred's going to have to get in because he's as, as, as good as the Raptor fan base is and, and as uh, supportive and, and you know, the more they vote for these guys, that's that's all great. But it's a popularity contest, and, and people are going to vote for names. And it doesn't matter whether they're an all-star or not. And, yeah, it's the fans' game, so they're going to vote for who they want. But for the true all-stars, I think being vo- if you're not in the popularity contest, being voted in by the coaches, uh, to me, that holds more weight than anything else. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones, folks, wherever you get your podcast, Please rate and review as well. And I'm going to throw my own little cheap plug in here as well. I'm trying to spread a little positivity, Jonesy, on this Friday. Feel good Friday. I've been looking for folks to send me their pictures, their videos, uh, messages, whatever it may be. Uh, go to Eric double underscore Smith on Instagram. Hey, make sure you check out my man Jonesy as well. Jones double underscore Paul. So he flips the name, reverses it on Instagram. But I'm trying to spread some positivity. Feel good Friday. So check me out on Instagram and see if you can send through, uh, like I say, videos, pictures, messages, whatever they may be. And I'm going to share them on my feed. And we've got a little contest going as well with a prize going, uh, random prize. We're just going to random draw at the end of the day and uh, pick a winner and, uh, and, uh, Hand out uh, some goods and a little bit of positivity. Doug Smith, speaking of Mr. Positive, he will join us as we talk about the Raptors getting set for the Jazz tonight. Smitty will join us next on Smith & Jones. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Raptors getting set for the Utah Jazz tonight and uh, joining us for a few minutes right here before he gets a chance to chat with the Raptors at morning shoot-around from the Toronto star, Doug Smith. Smitty, thanks for the time. Hello, boys. How are you today? All good, Smitty. Uh, we're doing well, Smitty. And, and before we get to the Raptors, just how are you doing? Feeling I'm better? I'm Asymptomatic all week. Everything's cool. Should be back on the scene Sunday, after, Sunday evening, I hope. All right, oh, perfect. So good. Being good. Useful, yeah. good to hear. Great. Good to hear. It's it's it's. I was saying off the top of the show, Smitty. It's uh, the I guess the the minor irony, if that's the right word to use right now, of the Raptors playing the Jazz right now in Ontario, at the very least, in the midst of uh, the 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 wave that feels like we're back in March of 2020, and uh, the Raptors coming home from Utah and patient X being Rudy Gobert, and lo and behold, he's out tonight. Health and safety protocols. It's almost like the last uh, you know 21 months or so didn't happen, or 22 months. It's like we're back at square one in a way. <laughs> Uh, the ride has been incredible, and you know I, we 
we've all lived through a lot of stuff in our years, but this has been the weirdest two years of my life. That's for sure. And it's, I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know how it ends, but it's got to end. Uh, hopefully fingers crossed it ends, it ends in a, in a, in a good way. Um, Smitty, uh, I, I read your uh, one of your pieces this morning, and uh, you're on board with the guy that Eric and I have been talking about, and a lot of people are talking about, Justin Champagny. Uh, I, I saw him at Summer League, and the other guy that really kind of impressed me out there was, was Ish Wainwright, who's got a contract in Phoenix now. And you look at this guy, and he just continues to just make the right plays. He's around the ball. He's, he, he's, he's undersized, but he's tough. Um, I think he's really climbed the rotation uh, for Nick. And uh, it just looks like Nick's not afraid to throw this guy in when he needs a jolt of energy. He's like, he's like uh, Nick's answer to Red Bull or, or five-hour energy. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's energy, but it's also intelligence. He, just has a, he has a knack for knowing where the ball's going to go when he goes and gets it. He looked at the offensive rebound he had the home game two games ago off the two missed Siakam free throws. It was just smart. He just saw where the ball was going to go and went there and beat everybody to it along the baseline. Kept alive with possession. I think it ended with a big Van Vliet three. And the other night, the first time he's in a game, he sneaks again on the baseline to get a, a loose ball that's carrying him off, carry him off on the other side of the, of the rim. It's that kind of innate sense that I think really makes him stand out. And I know he told us the other night he's shooting 200 corner threes every morning because that's going to be his bread and butter. That's a shot he's going to get, and he's got to make. And if he does that, then I think he's their eighth or ninth guy for sure. Hey, Smitty, this might not be fair to ask or, or accurate to ask in the midst of Utah Watanabe and Svi Mihailuk not currently playing out with the health and safety protocols. But what we've seen the last couple of games settling into a second unit of guys available, Champagny and Birch and Boucher, do you think Nick's finding something right now? Like, I, I don't imagine that there won't be minutes for Utah when he's back available, let alone Svi, but it seems like he maybe has finally found a second unit that is providing what he wants and needs. Yeah, it's kind of obviously, obviously, Eric's it's forced on him because Mihailuk and, and Watanabe aren't available. I do think there's uh, there's not nearly enough shooting with that group. It's, it's basically three centers and an undrafted Justin Champagny. It's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that it's sustainable, and I'm not sure you could mix and match the Barnes, Siakam, Van Vliet group with, with any combination of those four guys to make it work over time. But he got through two games of it. Probably he's going to have to get through probably tonight, and I presume again Sunday. And if you can escape and, and win games without a lot of versatility off the bench, then you know, you're way ahead. Yeah, yeah, Doug. And I was going to say, I, I mean, your thought I, to me, yeah, the bench hasn't been great. I think circumstances have dictated some of that this year. Uh, guys in and out of the lineup, bench guys having to go into the starting lineup, just not getting any traction or, or, or chemistry because they don't, they don't practice. But are, are people making too much of it? Okay, the bench isn't great, but you've won four in a row. And, and yeah, you're, you're riding your starters a little, but, hey, if you have to play your best players to win games, then you play your best players. That's the logical thing that people, I think, miss. And everybody wants to define rotation. Well, it doesn't exist anywhere in the NBA these days because guys are in and out all the time for various reasons, injuries, rest, COVID. No one, no one has their top nine guys for seven games in a row. It just doesn't happen anywhere in the league, and you make it up as you go along. 
And for four games now, they've been making it up pretty well with the Raptors. When they had the full group with Mihailik and Watsonavi, they've done it without a backup point guard, really. They haven't played one in a game that's been on the line in weeks. They're using Barnes and Siakam, which is I'm fine with that. And your, your bench right now is three centers and Justin Champagne, and you win. And that's the bottom line. you got to win the game. you got to beat the team that's in front of you, and you got to win it however you got to win it. And they're doing it. So to get all anybody bent out of shape about rotations and who's the eighth guy and who's the ninth and who's the subs and who forget about it. Every night is different and you got to deal with what's in front of you that night. Speaking with Doug Smith of the Toronto Star, we've got a couple of minutes left here with you, Smitty. Uh, one of the things we've been chatting uh, quite a bit about the last week, a uh, little little less than a week maybe, um, for all of the chatter about Fred Van Vliet, and justifiably so, to me he absolutely should be an all-star. Pascal Siakam's numbers, uh, Smitty, are as good, if not better, than during his all-star campaign. And after a bit of a slow start, which was completely understandable after surgery and finally getting back on the floor with little to no camp, he has been every bit the part of an all-star, a go-to guy, and has had a solid, solid season that I guess by some accounts is kind of flying under the radar. Oh, absolutely. You know, his numbers are really good. His impact is it's understated. He finally realized that he doesn't – I think it took him a long – well, obviously it took him time to get back from stroller surgery. That's a big thing. But he's also settled into a role where he doesn't have – he knows he doesn't have to be the guy. He can be a guy because he trusts his teammates. His teammates are just the, – the, the interesting thing about this Raptors team is that they don't have a number one option, which is good. You want a bunch of options, and they have a bunch of options. I think Pascal realized that, and he's allowed him to play a little bit more – I don't know, freely is the right word, but more collaboratively. He doesn't have to go ISO when the game's on the line because he got other guys that can do exactly the same thing and a lot of them. And you find the right guy at the right moment to get the right shot. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But, yeah, he's absolutely having, he's having a really, really good year. I don't think in this Eastern Conference with the other guys who are going to be up for those very, very few front court spots that he's going to make the all-star team. But I certainly would think he'd be in a conversation with some coaches. Raptors and Jazz tonight at 7.30 down at Scotiabank Arena. We will have pregame coverage starting at 7 o'clock. Smitty, thanks for the time. I know uh, you're up against it, so we'll let you slide. And uh, good to know you're doing well. I'm doing good. I'm going to listen to Scotty Barnes post-shoot around, see what he has to say for himself. I bet you starts right. with, well, I would say this every question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Appreciate the time, Smitty. All right, guys. Hey, as 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 Morris Peterson might say, most definitely, most Most definitely, definitely, absolutely. Talk to you guys later on. (laughs) All right, talk to you later. All right, Doug. There is Doug Smith, and and folks, what am I talking about? It's the it's the little uh, catchphrases or the little um, crutches that we we pick up on from players over the years. And listen, we all have them as well. I know I I have my crutches. Everybody does that that the ums and the ahs or the 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 little pauses in conversations and, and. I'm trying to think of some others, but the one that really stands out was most definitely. Morris Peterson was a big fan of most definitely. I haven't I haven't picked up on that Scotty Barnes one yet, though. That that's no, I, I said. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have to listen more for that. Yeah, yeah, and and um, most definitely from Mo might have been picked up from uh, another Michigan State guy, one of your guys. E Magic Johnson was a most definitely guy. That's true. That is true. I'm trying to. I'm, I'm off the top of my head now. I'm trying to think if there's. If there's another one that really stands out to me, like I, I was 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 Demar for sure? Oh yeah, I can't remember. Demar anyway. was for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
It's it's those little crutches. It's those little crutches. Like I'll tell you, I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe we're all it's, guilty. Maybe it's, we're all guilty. Hey, just yesterday, and a shout out to uh, our our old colleague and, and and a friend of ours and one of the all time greats, no doubt, and, and Bob McCowan. I just yesterday I was having a conversation with my wife. I think it might have even just been, "What do you want for dinner?" And I thought about it, and like I was the long thinking, pause. like I was. There was a long pause. She's like, okay, Bob McCown, you want to give me an answer? <laughs> because of the long pause in between when I finally gave the answer as to what I wanted for dinner. Um, we all have those little crutches, those little go-tos, those, those, those little things that make us stand out, I guess. Um, again, Raptors getting set for the Jazz tonight, 7.30. You've got a double dip of Smith & Jones as we hit the airwaves at 7 o'clock with the pregame show, and they will, we, uh, we will bring you the action. No Rudy Gobert in the lineup for uh, Utah, and I guess we'll find out hopefully in the next couple of minutes here with the Raptors having their uh, availability after their morning shoot around. If perhaps they might be getting some bodies back tonight, we were talking about Watanabe and Mihailuk. And Jones, as, as Smitty brings up, you're you're essentially going with you know three centers and and I guess a wing if you want to call them that in Champagny. The the position that maybe is standing out right now in uh, I don't want to say in a negative way, but one that's giving you a little bit of you know. Um, cause for concern or, or at least making me sit up in my seat a little bit more is the point guard position. It's been inconsistent because at the beginning of the year, we assumed it was going to be Dragic. Now he's not part of things and hasn't been for quite some time now. Then you kind of naturally assume that the reins might be handed to Malachi Flynn as the primary backup, and all of a sudden, Delano Banton burst onto the scene and had a fantastic start. Now he's kind of leveled off, and again, not that he's been bad, but he's leveled off a little bit, as we probably should have expected. And Flynn, when given opportunities, has kind of been up and down. He hasn't been bad. He hasn't been great. I don't know you can continue to ride Fred 38, 40, 42 minutes every single night. I understand what you just said. Play your best yeah. players. and that's. But at the same time, I don't want a guy logging that much all well, season. But if you have to, you have to. So that's something that needs to be figured out, no? Yeah, it is. And, and I think, you know, the last few games you and I have taken note of a unit that's been in um, at the start of the second quarter. And, and I, I, I've got to start looking back at what the units are at the start of the fourth quarter. You usually rest your star with a minute and a half, two minutes to go in the, in the third quarter. He gets that clock time break plus the, the, the natural break in between quarters and gets to sit for six or seven minutes. Um, but... We've seen a unit on the floor at the start of the second quarter that was Siakam, <clears throat> Ananobi, Barnes, along with Achua and Boucher. I've seen that, I've seen that, and I'll look for it again tonight, where you have, again, five guys between, you know, they're all listed around 6'8", but I would see realistically they're between, you know, 6'8 and 6'10". And you look and you say, well, there's no point guard. And, you know, we talked to Alvin about this. Yeah, but you got five guys who can play out there. They can all guard on the perimeter. They can all, uh, you know, they can all rebound. Uh, you know, two of them in particular can run and initiate your offense in Pascal and Scotty. Uh, they can all make, you know, mid-range jump shots um, with the exception of Precious, who, who can make them and probably just doesn't take them as much. He's, he's kind of reeling his game and refining his game in. But they all shoot the three well. So that's maybe how you can start resting Fred, uh, Eric, if, if you've got that kind of a lineup on the floor where 
you know, you go with or, or you put champagne in there and you, you go with a lineup that doesn't look traditional, but it still works and it still gets it done. Uh, I mean, let's face it, the other night in the first night of the back-to-back, the Raptors did a, a pretty good job by, by pulling away on San Antonio and allowing Fred to sit for a lot of the fourth quarter. You know, those are the, th- the little things that you have to do uh, to, try and, to try and save him and rest him. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be continuing to watch what Nick Nurse rolls as, uh, out his lineups because Nick's not afraid. He loves to experiment and have different combinations together. So that's, you know, that's probably one of the ways you're going to try and save some minutes on Fred. Uh, again, 7.30 tonight, 7 o'clock pregame show. You get a double dip of Smith & Jones as we will be back for the broadcast. And speaking of, of course, Smith & Jones, make sure you subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcasts on Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever it may be. Rate and review the show as well. But uh, I want to close things out here, uh, at least in this first portion, Jonesy, with something non-sports related, but I'm sure it's something and someone near and dear to your heart, let alone mine and so many other people's as well. But uh, somebody that, that I know you've spoken about many times over the years, and it is, it's not in the sports world, but but um, yeah. not just an actor, but uh, an ambassador, uh, 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 an activist, and certainly to me somebody that I think is worth talking about for at least a couple of minutes here. Uh, because of everything that we've been speaking about on this show, you and I specifically, um, uh, over the last two years, let alone over the last 20 years, and as I bring up again, the ambassador and the activist, not just the actor, but uh, Sidney Poitier uh, passing away, dying at the age of 94. Yeah, and uh, look, I'll go back to when I was a kid and my, and and what he meant to, um, you know, black culture and 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 the community. Um, you know, he he transcended. He crossed over. Uh, he was accepted in in Hollywood and on the big screen and and in in those in that time of the world when uh, you looked up and those people carried a lot of weight. He he did. As a, as a as a black actor in Hollywood, and the roles that he had, and and some of the characters that he portrayed, um, it, it's uh, uh, it's it's his versatility as an actor. It was tough. I mean, he 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 can go from a he went from a serious role into Sir with Love to, you know, uh, uh, you know, a piece of the action, Uptown Saturday Night. Let's do it again with with uh, that that were comedic films. He just you know, he, he he just had a certain versatility, and he meant something. You know, he was for for African Americans and people of African descent. He was one of the people that you could point to that that made it, that was up there and right in the mix with everybody else, and and kind of blazing a trail and and you know being we maybe we didn't use the term at the time, but being a role model for others. So uh, that that's a sad one. That's a sad one. But hey. Uh, you know, 94, that's, that's, uh, that's a long time to be on the track. You know, that's a long time. And he, and he had a long, prosperous life. So, uh, you know, condolences to the family. May he rest in peace. And, uh, you know, I, I, he, from what I can see, he lived his life the right way. Yep. Yeah, and I I would echo those sentiments too. You make it to ninety four. You've 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 lived a long time. You lived a good life, and you certainly impacted a lot of people. Um, you know, uh, on the screen, off the screen, and in so many uh, different ways. So many different ways throughout his lifetime. Uh, and and when you can cross over uh, into different worlds like that, Jonesy, from sports to entertainment to to activism to life in general, and just uh, 
touching folks around the globe, you've done something good. Uh, so uh, rest in peace, uh, Sidney Poitier. We are going to step aside for a moment. Again, I remind you folks, subscribe to the podcast, Smith & Jones, wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well.